are continuing our sermon series called Getting Off the Soapbox, and I know um, a lot of you haven't been here uh, before, maybe you're just visiting, maybe you're in for the baptism uh, from out of town, I hear from warmer weather, is <laughs> yeah, uh, and uh, so we're continuing the series called Getting Off the Soapbox, and uh, if you remember this whole idea of the soapbox, uh, a soapbox is something that people would stand on to get to just sort of shout out their opinions about ideas and about politics and about religion. And it's not a very good way to make a difference in the world, to make a difference in the lives of people. And so we as Christians, as Christ followers, are called to get off the soapbox and engage people one-on-one, especially as we see certain topics that come up. And if, if um, you haven't been, if you're, again, just visiting uh, and you haven't been following the series Um, We've talked about some pretty hot topics, some controversial topics. We've talked about abortion. We've talked about Islam. We've talked about poverty. And again, all within the context of how can we as Christ followers emulate what God says and love all people no matter what. Today we're talking about a topic that um, I wish I could have... I wish I could have um, broadcast what the topic was a little bit more intently, Um, because today we're talking about a topic that is very, very high sensitive, Uh, and the topic is sexual identity, specifically homosexuality. Now, if you're a guest or a visitor, if you brought a guest or a visitor, you're going, oh, man, (laughs) Seriously, they're they're in for the baptism. They're you know they're just busy. What? Oh, why do we? Why does it have to be this Sunday? Um, and immediately, whether you're Christian or not, you might be thinking, you know, that what I'm going to say uh, is going to be hard. And in context, yeah, it's going to be hard. You might be super uncomfortable right now. You might have kids here, and you're like waiting to just plug their ears. You know, no, don't hear that, right? The censor. Obviously, I'm not going to be graphic in describing anything, um, merely to say that homosexuality is a same-sex attraction. Male attracted to male, female attracted to female. And the reason we're talking about this, that we have to talk about as a church, is because we can't avoid the topic in our culture today. It's on the news It's in blogs, it's in movies, and so we need to take a look at this whole idea of sexual identity, if you will, um, because it's front and center. Um, I I was doing some uh, pre-marriage counseling, and um, one of the couples said, we love that we're doing this series because we hear it out there. Why not hear from God's perspective here in the church? Another reason we're talking about this, and this is actually a greater concern of mine as your pastor is that the more and more society pushes for more acceptance of the homosexual lifestyle, for example, the more confused we get as Christians, the more numb we get to the topic. Um, So you and I need to know God's heart, God's heart, and how we as Christ-confessing followers of Jesus emulate his heart to people who identify as homosexual. And I can tell you, many of you are going to be uncomfortable. And so I want to speak today in the tone of what one of our deacons said on Thursday night. She said this amazing thing, the heavens opened up and great wisdom poured out in our meeting. And uh, she said this phrase and all of us kind of went, wow, that's it. So the phrase is this, I put this on Facebook too. 
Love without truth is weak. Truth without love is harsh. Have you ever been on the receiving end of this? Somebody's railing into you because you, you did something wrong and I just want to share it in love and they're like throwing things at you. You know, that's not right. I hope that I strike that kind of tone for us today. And I do want to strike a deal with you, actually. Today we're coming from a perspective of what God teaches, and then you need to struggle with what he says, not with what I say. You have permission today to disagree as vehemently and as much as you can, just maybe not interrupting us as we're trying to figure this out, but you have permission to disagree. But before you send me an email or before you leave the church, do your own study on this topic. So let me tell you where we're going to go today. This has been helpful in the past as we've talked about some more controversial subjects to kind of give you a, a, a map of where we're going. Um, first of all, we're going to talk about a framework for this conversation. We're going to talk, ask, ask the question, is homosexuality a sin or not? We're going to take a look at a specific teaching of Jesus that really applies to um, the whole idea of sexual activity. Uh, we're going to talk about marriage and then I just decided last night, we're going to take the, how do we respond as Christians, and we're going to move that to next week. Because there's just no way I can get through all the questions that I feel we need to be asking. One of the questions that, that you may be asking right now, do I attend a gay wedding? I'm not going to answer that. That's next week, so you've got to come back. <laughs> so, but that's, that's the response piece, Okay. So to set this up, there's a fundamental principle that you and I need to know, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're homosexual or straight or whatever, there's a fundamental principle, and it's that God loves all people, period, end of story. That's the foundation for where, where we're going. No matter what age, color, political persuasion, sexual identity, God loves all people. And this is so important to know, because if God loves all people then what he says in his word ultimately goes back to him loving you. The promises that he has in his word ultimately are because he loves you. The boundaries he has in his word ultimately are because he loves you. The problem is, you and I, me too, we do not like boundaries. Raise your hand if you like to be told that you can't do something. None of us. We are rule breakers by nature. It's our sinful nature. But again, because God loves us, he provides boundaries in life for the betterment of us. During the summer, I was running in our neighborhood because I wouldn't do that in the winter. That's nuts. <clears throat> so I was running outside in our neighborhood, and as I'm running down the street, normally I'm listening to a podcast or something. This time I wasn't, and I'm running, and I hear this thump, thump. And it wasn't my feet. I'm like, I wonder what that is. It's from up ahead. And I turned the corner, and there's this house with a, a long uh, a driveway. And the dad had parked an SUV at the end of the driveway. And I keep hearing this thump, thump. I'm like, what, what is this? And he's up by the, his front door working on something. And as I turn the corner, I get a little farther. I see his three-year-old son on one of those bikes that don't have pedals. You know, he's just learning how to bike. And so he's taking his bike up the driveway a little bit and going, bump, <laughs> and just bump, right into this guy's SUV. And I'm like, what are you, you know, I, I couldn't believe it. What are you doing? The dad had put the SUV there. Why? So that he wouldn't go out into the street 
into the danger zone. Like any good father would do, he provided a boundary. He sacrificed the siding of his SUV so that he would have a boundary for his son to keep him safe, like any good parent would do. That's how you have to think of how God sets up boundaries for us in his word. And and there's a foundational understanding we all have to be on the same page with too. There's a problem that both of us, that all of us have that goes all the way back to the beginning of time that all of us are inflicted with. And it's this thing, this churchy word called sin. Sin is both a disease and a symptom. A disease because of when Adam and Eve, Eve disobeyed God, that created sin or that, that brought sin into the world this, that all of us suffer from. And as a result then, in terms of a symptom, uh, it's the daily sins that we have, the falling into and, and being led by temptation. If I have a cold, that's the disease. If I cough, that's the symptom. Get that? From that disease, we have feelings and desires that tempt us to go against God's promises and his boundaries. His promises and boundaries for life and our relationship with him. And so when we sin, going outside of the boundaries, going past the end of the driveway into traffic, we hurt ourselves, we hurt others, we hurt our relationship with God. But the, and here's the thing, the feelings and the desires in and of themselves are not sinful. It's when we act on them that that's what causes sin. When I'm late for work and I'm on the freeway and I'm like, if I go 85 miles an hour, I'll get there on time. At that point, am I sinning? No, but I'm thinking about it. It's only when I hit the pedal to the metal, so to speak, and I hit 85 miles an hour, that's when the sin comes in because I'm breaking the law. I'm breaking the boundary that, that uh, happens. So basically, acting out on a wrong desire, a temptation, that's when the sin comes in. So the question is this. If, is this, if you are attracted sexually to someone of the same sex, is that a sin? If you are attracted sexually to someone of the opposite sex, is that a sin? Biblically, the answer in both cases is no. Because in and of themselves, again, desires and feelings that potentially go against God's design are not sin. They are the temptation to sin. It is the acting on them that gets us into trouble. A married man who is sexually attracted to someone of the opposite sex who isn't his wife and acts out on those feelings, that's sin. So again, question, is acting out on the homosexual feelings sin? If sin is going against God's design for life, then we need to see what God says. And what God says about homosexuality, not what I say, but what God says about homosexuality. The Bible speaks only a few times in all of Scripture specifically about um, homosexuality. And when it does, it's pretty clear. Uh, There's a couple of verses in the Old Testament in Genesis and also in the New Testament, Romans, 1 Corinthians. I want to take a look at one specific verse, first in the Old Testament book of Leviticus, starting in the first verse, um, Basically, God is talking to to God followers. He's not talking to people who are not in the church. And this is very important for next week. 
the instructions in the Bible that we have about homosexuality, God is not talking to people who don't know him. He's talking to believers. He's talking to God followers. So in Leviticus, the Lord is setting up boundaries, the the life-giving, loving boundaries in terms of a sexual relationship. He says this, the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. I am the Lord your God, so do not act like people in Egypt. Don't act like people who don't know me or, in, in, or people in the land of Cana where I'm taking you. You don't imitate their way of life. You must obey all of my regulations and be careful to obey my decrees. I'm the Lord your God. So the Israelites are going, and, and students, you know this, when your parents tell you to do something or not to do something, your first question as you get older, one of them is, Why? right? And then we smack you and then, no, no, I'm just kidding. We don't do that. We don't do that. Uh, But that, right? You want to say, if it doesn't make sense, like, you know, why am I, why am I studying math? You know, it's like, why? You want to know why? So the Israelites basically say to God, okay, or Moses, why are we supposed to follow your decrees? Why do we follow the 10 commandments? Why do we follow all these things? The next verse, God tells them, he says, if you obey my decrees and regulations, you're going to find life, through them. You're going to find love through them. My decrees, God says, my way of living, the, the, the guidance that I give, the path that you, would be have, that you would be on with me gives life to you. So what God is about to say then about the boundaries around sex is not intended to shame you or to guilt you or to make you leave the church. They are intended to give you life and love and contentment. He goes through this whole list of, of uh, you can look it up yourself. I'm not going to read them because I, I just don't want to read those in, in church. Um, but this whole list of boundaries around sexual activity for people, and he gets to verse 22 where he does say, um, do not practice homosexuality. Practice homosexuality. That's what we just said. Do not act out on the feelings, the desires of homosexuality. Having sex with another man as with a woman, it's a detestable sin. He does not say, do not be a homosexual. See the difference? Feelings, desires, temptations become sin when the activity is engaged. So that's the Old Testament. A lot of uh, folks say, well, that's Old Testament. Jesus came. That doesn't matter anymore. So let's see what Jesus has to say about homosexuality. Matthew 15, Jesus is doing some miracles and, and the church leaders come to him and are talking to him about where does evil come from? Where does sin actually come from? And uh, so Jesus says this, Matthew 15, verse 19, from the heart come evil thoughts. And then he lists, what are the evil thoughts? Murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. This is what defiles you or makes you dirty. Um, Eating with unwashed hands will never defile you. What's interesting about this, first of all, is he's talking about sexual immorality within a list of things that we shouldn't do. How many of us have lied? How many of us have slandered? We all have. And as you'll see, well, the, the word, all sexual immorality, the word that Jesus uses is the word... Greek word, porneia, from which we get the word pornography. It includes all sexual activity outside of how God designed it, not just homosexuality. It's everything. 
You're married, you have sex with somebody else, you're porneying, porn, some, what he said, you know. You're not, you're, you know, you're, you're, you're single and you're just sleeping around with everybody, you're, you're porneying. Pastor Sam Albury, a Christian pastor in the UK, says that when people say Jesus never taught about homosexuality, they didn't understand the concept of porneia. It's a catch-all phrase for anything outside of how God has designed the sexual activity. What Jesus is saying is that sexual activity takes place, that takes place outside of how it was designed makes you dirty. It doesn't change God's love for you. He still loves you. When my child comes in from playing in the dirt and I'm like looking at him, I'm like, dude, I love you, but you know, you just want to clean them off. That's the idea. And all of us are sinful. All of these desires, according to what God says, are expressions of brokenness that, come, that came into the world at the beginning of time. So then the question again becomes, what is God's design for sexual activity among people? Well, a little later on in the gospel, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus again is teaching, um, and it's Matthew 19. And he's talking to Pharisees, and they came to test him about this whole idea of marriage. Um, so Matthew 19, starting in verse 3, says this, Some Pharisees came to test him, and they asked, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any reason, for any and every reason? Again, back then, as in many cultures today, I don't like the way you cook. You're out of here. You can just divorce right on the spot. Jesus slams him. He says, haven't you read? He replied that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. So he quotes a fundamental, Jesus quotes a fundamental truth. And again, this is Jesus' teaching that was given right at the beginning. God created humanity two ways, male, female. All of humanity was born either physically male or female. Then Jesus says the result of the difference between male and female results in this incredible, unique relationship. So man, or humanity was born male and female. For this reason, because they were born this way, God creates this thing. A man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. So they're no, no longer two, but one. Jesus says, because of this truth, because God made male and female. Therefore, we have this thing called marriage, and we pick that up when Jesus uses the word wife. It's a, it's a term designated specific for, specifically for the marriage relationship. So again, Jesus is saying the institution of marriage has to first be based on gender, and a gender that's not emotional identification, but rather a physical assignment, and then all the Valentine's Day lovey, fluffy stuff happens after that. There's no other way marriage has been created. It's what God says. It's what Jesus says. Marriage is defined by God as a unique union between man and a woman. I know that in our culture, this is a massively countercultural teaching right now. I know that what Jesus teaches challenges everything the world is trying to put forward. I also know that there, you are, there are some of you here and listening on podcasts right now that are massively offended, and you only hear hate, and you only hear exclusion and bigotry. But that's not, that's not why God said it. 
That's not why Jesus teaches it. The reason Jesus teaches it is because, remember, Leviticus 18, when you follow God's way, it leads to life. So for those of you who aren't Christian, maybe you're here for whatever reason, now you know why the Christian church struggles with the redefinition of marriage by humanity rather than God himself. And you may disagree. That's awesome. But now at least you know why we Christians are opposed to gay marriage. It's because God designed it. God's design is always better than man's design. It always is. So continuing on with the story, the disciples are standing around. They hear Jesus teaching on this, and they freak out. They're maybe half as even more uncomfortable (laughs) as you guys are right now. Uh, Verse 10, the disciples go, if this is true... If this is the case, it's better not to marry. Now, Jesus says, yeah, you're right. You may shouldn't marry. This marriage thing, ah, forget it. New Testament, new, let's do something new. Nobody has to marry, just do whatever you want. No, Jesus says this. Not everyone can accept this statement, Jesus said. Only those whom God helps. Now, listen to this. Some are born as eunuchs. Some people are born as eunuchs. I'll explain that in a second. Some have been made eunuchs by others, and some chose not to marry for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. At the time, a eunuch was a person who mostly served in the harems as as kings. Basically, there are three things that Jesus is talking about. First of all, a eunuch is people who are born with no sexual inclination at all, male or female. It could be a guy, it could be a girl. They're just like, what? I have a really good friend who's a Christian LCMS pastor who would fall into this category. We have conversations, and he's... You know, I'm talking about marriage, and I, you know, I ask him, I'm like, don't you ever want to get married? And he goes, why would I want a wife? <laughs> guys, it's about, don't, you just, guys, just look straight ahead. Don't move anything. <laughs> you know, and, and in his conversation, he's like, they take so much time, they're expensive. You know, I, and, and he's a pastor. He goes, I take that time, and I, I pour into my community at church into the students, into the church itself. He's not gay. He he doesn't have any, either way, he just has no sexual inclination. Other people are sterilized, again, for the harem thing. Other people, by sheer dedication and devotion to God, they have sexual uh, uh, inclinations and feelings. Um, But because they love God so much, they devote themselves to the work of God. In kind of a subset case, this could be uh, related to the the Roman Catholic priest um, priest, uh, system where they have taken a vow of celibacy to serve the church. Um, so given this teaching, there are basically two options that Jesus teaches regarding the acting out of your sexuality. And the two options are this. That happens within the context of a male and female marriage relationship or abstaining because you want to remain faithful to Jesus. That means potentially moving toward marriage. Or if you're single and you, 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 know, you stay pure until you are married. So again, God has designed the marriage relationship in a beautiful way. And this thing called your sexual uh, piece of you is an amazing thing. God, if you violated this, God still loves you. He always will. 
Nothing changes that. But he does say that sex outside this context isn't how he designed it. And he doesn't put boundaries around us because he sees some old curmudgeon. He knows that this is the safest and freest relationship where that kind of sexual intimacy can take place. And Jesus isn't singling out anybody. He's not pointing his finger at homosexuals, people who aren't married having sex. He's not pointing fingers at all because all of us have broken these boundaries in one way or another. Last kind of question. Does this mean that homosexuals can't love? Are they missing out on intimacy? Not at all. Many who are attracted to the same sex find a deeper intimacy with the community of friends and churches and community of believers. Again, Pastor Sam Albury, who's done a lot of research on this, who's, and he also says, um, Pastor Sam, who says, the act of homosexuality, according to Jesus, is sinful, is himself a homosexual. Sam is. He's chosen celibacy because of his love for Jesus. And in part of his testimony, he talks about what life is like as a Christian who is attracted to the same sex but has chosen not to sin and to put people first. You don't have to hear it from me. Just listen to his testimony. I'm Sam Alberry. I live and work in Maidenhead, and I'm a church pastor. I'm a Christian because I know that Jesus died for me, that he rose again from the dead, that there's good reasons for for believing those things. I'm a Christian because the message of Jesus makes far more sense of, of who we are as people and the way the world is than anything else I've ever come across. The church has been great with my whole issue of, of same-sex attraction. Certainly the church I'm a, I'm a member of uh, have been supportive. They've been an encouragement. People are, are wanting to, to be a good friend. And I've also appreciated that it's not defined how they see me. It's not the lens through which they view me. So they, they've been great. I've not had any experience of Christians getting angry or rejecting me because of it. Most people haven't really battered an eyelid. And I've just sort of thought, well, we've all got our own issues. This is one of yours. I hope experiencing same-sex attraction, having to kind of wrestle with it, I hope it's made me a more empathetic character than I would have been otherwise. It's not always been easy. But I think going through that has helped me, I hope, to be a bit more patient with other people, to be a bit more understanding, I hope a bit more compassionate than I would have been. Being single actually has been a a real blessing. It's given me opportunities to do things I wouldn't have probably got around to doing if I was married or had children. And it's given me a a capacity for friendship that I don't think I would otherwise have. And it it means a lot to me to be able to have a wide range of friends and to be able to, I hope, be a good friend to others. Having same-sex attraction isn't always easy. Obviously, I'm experiencing desires that I don't want to have. And that is, at times, can be very, very painful. That uh, can be quite frustrating. Um, there are times when it, it's made some friendships a bit tricky. And there are times, obviously, when, when singleness isn't much fun either. All the, the sort of opportunities and advantages of it, there are times when it would be nice to have my own family. I'm convinced what, what the Bible says on this issue is good because I'm convinced God is good. 
I'm convinced God is good because actually Jesus has shown his goodness to me in his, his death and resurrection. I see the goodness of his, his words in, in so many areas of, of life. The one who, who made me and knows me better than I know myself is going to know what's good for me. The very best thing that God can do for anyone is to give them life in his son. And the Christian life is all about Jesus. And for as long as God is offering a relationship with Christ to anyone, he is not anti-them. Uh, there are things God calls all of us to, to turn away from. There are things in, in all of our lives that we need to uh, to rethink and to, to kind of give over to God. But actually knowing Jesus is is what it is all about. And that is the greatest gift God can give us. And as long as that gift is being offered, and it is, God cannot truly be said to be anti-anyone. One of the things Jesus says that, that most, I guess, encourages me in this whole area, and I, I hope would encourage others in other areas too, is that Jesus said on one occasion that, that anyone who leaves uh, fathers and mothers and brothers and sisters and homes and other things for him and for the sake of the gospel, even in this life, will receive a hundredfold in return. So although we have to give things up, to be Christian, although we have to turn away from certain things, leave certain things behind. Actually, we, we always, even in this life, receive far more back from Jesus than we ever give for him. And so, although there'll be certain kinds of relationships I'm, I'm not going to enter into as a Christian, um, I've received back from Jesus a whole wonderful other set of relationships. Um, within the, you know, being part of a Christian community, being part of a church family. Um, and so it's, it's never a bad deal to follow Jesus. Livingout.com or .org, I can't remember which one, that's the name of his website. And I'd encourage you to go there because there's 